to Lakeland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. Hi, everyone. Welcome, welcome. How's everyone doing? You guys are alive today. Anyone alive? Yes, I can feel it. Uh, how about you at home? Hey, everyone, can you help me give a huge shout out to everyone welcoming us and joining us at home? Hey, hey, hey. Good to have everyone with us, uh, wherever you might be. I know we got people on beaches, we got people on the road, we got people at home, we got people all over the place. So it's uh, just fun that we can gather kind of from anywhere, but also right in here. I love, I love it, I love it. All right, today I'm going to just dive right in. Is that cool? All right, we're diving right in. Today we are finishing actually up a series called Rethinking Habits. Next week, uh, we're actually launching into a series called Funny Little Thing Called Love. Um, ex- I'm excited about it. We're going to talk about love for the whole month. Now, I know some people are like, <laughs> like falling in love. No, no, no. That's not necessary. It, it's, it's how we love God and how we love others and what that legitimately looks like. Because I think uh, there's a lot of us so-called Christians who have not been loving well. And so at least here in this house, we are going to learn to love well. And uh, so it's going to be be great, though. I'm I'm really excited about that series. And then, um, anyhow, lots coming up. I'm excited. All right, so here we go, finishing up this series, Rethinking Habits. It really springboarded off of Rethinking Church last month. If you were with us, we were just kind of, what, what... constitutes church. Like, what does it mean? Especially after a year in which so many people are at home or in different locations. We've got people joining us from all over. What does it mean to be the church? And the church is not a location. The church is a people. And so uh, we really launched into these things called impact communities. And that's these smaller expressions of church that can be experienced anywhere. So we've got impact community now in Uganda. We got impact community in Montana. We got an impact community in Southern Illinois. We got impact communities kind of sprouting up everywhere. And then tons right here in this area. And uh, here's the deal. For, we said for impact communities to have a holistic expression of the church anywhere, uh, the question becomes, what makes it holistic from anywhere? Like if it is a holistic expression anywhere, there's got to be some uh, like kind of a baseline. And here's where this whole series is necessary. So this series of rethinking habits, are these are the habits that are necessary if it actually wants to be holistic. Otherwise, it's going to be missing some parts. And these are habits that we've always valued here at Lakeland, but we've added kind of some elements within each of the habits to say, if we want it to truly be holistic, we need to elevate this element within this habit. And so out of our, we got four habits that we've been highlighting. The way that we remember it is with the simple uh, acronym SODA. The first one, the first S there. Anyone remember? Shout it out if you remember what it is. It is sandwich? Did I hear sandwich? Nope. Uh, although I could go for one later today. Uh, it is shepherding, shepherding. And so when it comes to shepherding, it's not a who, it's a habit. All of us have to develop this habit. I do want to see what people yell out on, oh, figure out what food of choice you're going to throw out there. Okay. Uh, but it's, it's not a uh, who, it's a habit. All of us need to develop it in terms of kind of what are the elements of shepherding. It's you got to be close enough to see people's hearts. You got to be invested 
invested in one another daily. It involves prayer, care, and speaking truth into people's lives when they aren't coming up with that truth on their own on those days. So those were the the, kind of the things that we talked about under shepherding. Oh, you gave it away. Okay. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, guess. Everyone guess. It's on mission. That's right. It's on mission. On mission. This is really our mission is the gospel. When we do these impact opportunities every single month, that's methodology. And we don't want to mix methodology and mission. Methodology is just kind of the way in which we're trying to get the gospel into people's hands. But the mission is always the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ uh, came and laid down his life for us at the cross. And we can have a relationship uh, with him uh, through faith in him. And uh, every week we've been talking about kind of different impact opportunities. And uh, some people have been stepping into some really cool ones, coming up with some really cool ones. I want to tell you about one that Lakeland is stepping into, uh, kind about to, and I'm really excited. Once again, it's just simply methodology. Methodology is just a way in which we can take the mission, which is the gospel forward, uh, but it's in the area of VR, which is virtual reality. If you guys are like, if you don't, if, if, if first off, let me say this. As I say VR, if you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about, I'm probably not talking to you. And if I, and if I say that, and you're like, man, I know what you're talking about. I'm interested. I'm probably talking to you, okay? But here's what we are going to be doing. This is not new. We actually have had this on our radar for about a year and a half now. But Lakeland is launching a VR campus uh, Easter this Easter. And so we're looking to build actually a launch team of people who want to join in in VR. Now here, let me just give you a couple stats. This is really worth just kind of wrapping your heads around. There's about 200 million people in VR right now. By next year, they're they're guessing it'll be around 300 million. That's about the population of the United States, okay? And there's approximately five to six churches right now that offer services in the VR. So now think about that. 300 million people by next year, five churches. Imagine if the United States had five churches. What would you do? You would immediately start going, okay, man, if we only have five churches, let's think about the most strategic places to put those churches, right? You'd probably immediately start thinking about, like, what's the most populated cities? And, and you'd want to put a church in those locations. The beauty about VR is picture it like one massive city, and those churches are all right there because everyone's one click away. And so we got two staff members that are going to help lead the charge. They're not abandoning what they're doing, but I want to introduce them to you. And so bring on out where, I don't know where they are, but uh, Stuart and Jason, bring them on out. Everyone welcome Stuart and Jason real quick. Where are you guys going? There they are. Okay, so uh, Stuart is our Impact Community uh, pastor, and Jason is our next-gen pastor. These guys are not abandoning what they're doing, but we've asked them to add on to their responsibilities to team up together and to take us into this and bring leadership into uh, the VR campus. And so we want you to see their faces. We call this their faces... uh, IRL, okay, in real life. That's VR talk right now, okay? So this is what they look like in real life. But now, from these two, we want you to hear from them as they invite you into uh, the VR campus via this video, okay? So go ahead and roll it. Hey, Lakeland, welcome into Lakeland Church Virtual Reality. This is our very first VR campus that we're actually launching this Easter. That's right. And for so many of us, 
VR was the thing that you paid $20 for at Six Flags to hop into the chair for 10 minutes and be chased around by velociraptors, right? That was our experience growing up for so many years. But VR is everywhere now. It's in all types of hands, and it's going to make a difference for the kingdom, and we are going to be on the front end of that. So welcome into our lobby, and we're going to go check in with Pastor Stewart here in our auditorium. Let's go ahead and let's go take a look. Welcome to the auditorium of Lakeland VR Church, where we're going to be hosting our very first service on Easter. That's right, April 4th, 2021. We're launching this campus, and we want you to be a part of it. If you want to be a part of the launch team, all you simply have to do is send an email to vr at lakeland.church, and then we'll do the rest and get connected with you. But let me tell you the reason why we're even doing this. There are nearly 200 million people that are actively participating in this VR experience, but only about five churches are actively holding services, and now we're about to be the next one, and we want you to be a part of it. So we can't wait to see you in the VR. So this is those two guys, IRL, in real life, and if you want to uh, be a part of the VR campus, just email vr at lakeland.church, okay, VR at lakeland.church or connect with these two guys. Get them up for these two guys as they get ready to launch. Uh, we actually, at my house, we've got two VR headsets and um, I, I go into VR almost every day and it is a riot. Now that's very cartoony, um, which I know, but there's also areas of VR that can get entirely virtual reality like you're in it. Um, we're, we're looking into, you know, that someone being able to be in our service in VR. So you turn around and you'd be able to see you in the front row, you know, that type of thing. Creepy, uh, but it's, no, it, it'll be really fun. And so there's a lot of opportunity there. So, so I'm excited about that. Um, all right, what are we talking about? Oh yeah, let's get back to it. Soda, D, developing others. Last week we talked about the need to have a conviction to develop others, a process to develop others. We have to practice I see in you moments and prophetic words. And now today we're ending with A as we talk about accountability. Accountability. I don't know how many of you guys saw this article from this last week. Um, there was a, an elementary school board where everyone had to resign because they had a, a web-based kind of school board meeting that was going on. And once they thought they had clicked offline, they were actually continuing to be online while broadcasting. And they literally had said, are we offline? And then they started bashing parents for about eight minutes. Well, within a day, there were 7,000 signatures for their resignation, and that's exactly what happened. They all ended up resigning. Talk about accountability to your words and your actions, right? How many of you love accountability? <laughs> no, like in light of a story like that, you're probably like, no, I like, I... I, I hate this, real, this deal of like everyone being able to hold me accountable to everything I say and do. And yet, if you're a follower of Christ, are you ready? You need accountability. Like this is something that you shouldn't just like, oh, I guess. It's something you should want. Because when you have a good accountability in your life, it will propel you forward in your faith faster than you've ever gone before. And further than you've ever gone before. 
It's not something that you should reluctantly step into. This is something I'm telling you, you're going to want. And so we need people who help keep us accountable. And as we talk about these uh, areas of accountability, I'm going to cover three that I think are really important that we are accountable to. And so let me just dive right into these. The first one is this, accountability to the word of God. Now, some of you are like, why, why would I want to be accountable to the word of God? Let me ask you this question. Anyone interested in pleasing God with your life? I think almost all of us would be like, yeah, I, I want God to be a, like a proud papa of me. Well, check out what this verse says in, in 1 John uh, chapter 3. It says this, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. You can have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because uh, we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. If we keep his commandments, which is his word, we're doing what pleases him. So if you're going, hey, I want to make my heavenly father a proud papa, well then being accountable to what his word says should be actually top priority, following what it says. Check out also what Hebrews chapter uh, 4, verse 12 through 13 says. I read this verse last week for the word of God, his word, the, the Bible, it's active and it's it's alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Okay, I read that to you last week. Now check out the very next verse. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sights. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now, I really don't believe that these two verses are by accident side by side. He says, here's what the word of God can do. It's alive. It's active. It penetrates between, uh, uh, it divides between joint, marrow, soul, and spirit, and it penetrates the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, right? Then immediately says, and by the way, you're all going to give an account to God. Okay, so no question. Have you ever read a verse and felt convicted? Okay, so when you felt convicted, you want to know what you're going to have to give a, an account to God around? Around whether or not you were obedient to that conviction of the word of God. That penetrated all the way into your thoughts and attitudes. Because that's what the word of God does. It gets all the way into your thoughts and attitudes and it corrects things and it, and it brings conviction. It tells truth. And whether or not you reply and you respond to God's word, he's like that. You're going to have to give an account to that. Sometimes if you read God's word and it stirs within you and you're like, that's good truth. And you do nothing about it. He's like, hey, you're going to have to give an account for that. We will be held accountable to the word of God. So we need then one another to actually hold us accountable to the word of God. Uh, now, here's the deal. I've, it's accountability to God's word, not to Christians' preferences. Or not to my, my opinion. So let me just give you an example. Um, I, I was in a group of, uh, of guys who we were keeping each other accountable to reading scripture before we went to work in the morning. Now, that's totally cool if everyone in the circle looks at one another and says, hey, we're going to hold each other accountable to reading scripture before we go to work in the morning. However, there's nothing that's m biblical about reading scripture in the morning versus in the evening. But I have known people who have said, that's when you're supposed to read it. Now, that's opinion and preference, not biblical. We hold each other accountable to the word of God, not to preference around the word of God. Okay? Does this make sense? Okay. Uh, so here's the deal. If you've 
thought for a moment, though, about impact communities that perhaps the word of God is not going to be as important. I just want to put that to rest. That is actually entirely not true. I think actually our impact communities are going to spend more time in the word than probably our groups had in the past. They're going to be centered around what does scripture say? What does it teach us about God? What does it tell us about us? And then what are we going to do about it and holding each other accountable to the word of God? There's something that's incredibly powerful about diving into God's word with other people. Have you ever figured this out? I don't know if you've, if you've realized this. Reading scripture alone is good. Both in a group and alone, it's effective. But there's something different that often happens in a group setting. And so this is why if you've never kind of done that where you bust open the Bible with other people in your impact communities, it's going to be so important that you do that you have people who will keep you accountable to God's word uh, in a group setting. There's something fresh that happens in that, uh, in that environment. So accountability to God's word, it's going to be huge. Second, accountability to one another. Accountability to one another. Now I want to read to you a passage that the, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in uh, Galatia. It's Galatians chapter uh, 6, verse 1 through 5. I'm going to read it all the way through, and then I just want to make three quick little observations about accountability to one another. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit, capital S, so that's referring to those indwelled by the Holy Spirit, so Christians, should restore that person gently. But watch out for yourself, or you may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks there's something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. They, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Okay, so now if I could give you uh, some quick little observations about this passage. It would be this. The first about accountability to one another. Uh, go to the next slide. Would be bam. accountability to one another calls out sin and restores others. Calls out sin and restores. This, this is important in terms of being accountable to one another. So go to the, that first verse once again in Galatians chapter six. Go to the next slide here. Brothers and sisters, if someone's caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. This is part of our responsibility in terms of relationship with one another and holding each other accountable. Is that when we see sin present in someone else's life, you call it out. Who loves to do that? No one does, right? Because there's this other passage in scripture where Jesus is like, hey, before you call out the plank or the, the speck of dust in your, in your neighbor's eye, your friend's eye, look at the plank in your own eye, right? It's this whole idea of like, hey, it's so easy to see one, someone else's fault and miss your own faults. But here's the deal. In that same kind of vein, you still, you can't just like go, well, I'm never going to call out anyone else's sin because I know I got my own. He says, no, if you see someone who's sinning, call them out, do it gently, but restore them. Call it, and I've done this a handful of times, and let me just tell you, it's, while yes, it's awkward and sometimes a little tough to broach that subject, every time, if I'm close enough to the person, they, re, they receive it really well, and they almost always own up to it really quickly. Like when I call them out, they almost always, it goes like this, they go, yeah, I had a feeling I was off. They always say the same. I had a feeling. It's like they kind of knew it and they were just waiting for someone to call them out on it and say, that's wrong. As soon as I, do, I did, they're like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know I've got to change in that area. And, and so whether it's something like, guys, this is gossip. We got to stop. And everyone probably will go, 
Yeah, you're right. Guys, this is slander. We got to stop. Hey, that's a lie. You got to stop. Hey, you, you, you shouldn't be dabbling in that thing that's kind of, it's, it's spiritual, but it's, it's false. It's going to take you away from the God, you, away from God. You got to stop. Hey, there's uh, sexual immorality that's in your life. You got to stop. Every time I've con- count, uh, confronted people in that way, they're always like, yeah, you're right. And I, they kind of knew it. Deep down, they knew it. Because if they're a Christian, the Holy Spirit's are probably already convicting them. And they're just trying to quiet him. Right? And so... Don't be afraid to do that. Second area in terms of accountability with one another, uh, they care for each other's burdens. Now, this is a little different than in week one of this series when we talked about a 2 a.m. friend who comes and cares for one another. Carrying uh, each other's burdens, look at it in verse two here. Go ahead and go, yep. Carry each other's burdens and in this way fulfill the law. So this is though in the context of accountability to carry each other's burdens, what does it look like? Well, have you ever been tempted and you really needed someone alongside you to encourage you to win over the temptation? That's what this looks like. It's that person who goes, hey, I know I'm going to be in a really sticky situation tonight where temptation's going to be right in front of me. Would you call me at 8 o'clock so that I don't fall into it? That's carrying each other's, each other's burdens to keep each other accountable to help that person win. Does that make sense? It's different than, hey, you've fallen, I'm here to care for you. It's I'm carrying your burden with you so that you will win over temptation. Okay? Third area that uh, the Apostle Paul goes into here, and I would describe it this way. Accountability to one another will not allow you to utilize comparison to lower your standard for your life. Now, I know that's kind of a big statement. Let me read it one more time. It won't allow you to utilize comparison to lower your standard for your life. Okay, now let me read to you the passage, and then I'll unpack it for you. Galatians chapter 6, if anyone thinks there's something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions, then they can take pride in themselves without comparing themselves uh, to, to one another, for each one should carry their own load. Okay, so imagine this. Imagine I ask my kids to go downstairs and clean up the basement. They've got toys everywhere all over the floor. Go pick up the basement. And I go downstairs uh, in a few minutes, and I see a couple of my kids sitting off to the side. And I go, hey, why aren't you picking up toys? And my child A goes, I picked up one toy. I'm like, one toy is not enough. And they point to child B and they're like, but he or she didn't pick up any, right? And so what have they done? They're taking pride in themselves and thinking that they are something when they are not. Hey, look at what I've done. And they're doing it by comparing themselves to someone else. See, if you think you're something when you're not, you deceive yourself. If you go, hey, look how awesome I am. I picked up one toy. Are you awesome? No, you're not. What are you better than? Someone else that you compared yourself to. That's all. And here's what accountability with one another will do. It will not allow you or I to lower our standard in comparison to someone else. So it's one of those deals where where in life you can be like, Hey, listen, uh, I'm not going to have two extra beers. I'm only going to have one. Look at my buddy. He's drinking two more. I'm only having one more, but your one more is already one too many. So what you're doing is you're comparing, hey, I'm not as bad as this guy who has really low standards. I'm slightly better, but the standard's still off. 
Are you, are you getting this? So accountability goes, no, you don't get to lower your standard of life just because you found someone else who has a worse life than you. Yeah, are, are you getting this here? And, and sometimes we do this where, where we're like, hey, I'm not as bad. You're just looking for anyone else that you're not as bad as. And as soon as you find someone who's worse than you, you're like, I'm not as bad as them, so I must be doing pretty well. Accountability, though, to one another goes, no, you're, you're actually not doing well. Like, maybe you grew up in your family, never went to church, and you're sitting here going, I'm going to church, like, once a month. Well, good for you. And you feel like I'm winning, and yet you're still spiritually losing. And the reason why is because you're comparing yourself to maybe your family history where no one went to church ever, and you're like, look at me, I'm winning, but you're still missing the bar because you're not gathering with one another weekly as we're called to do. See, so, so we have to have accountability that doesn't allow you to lower your standards based on comparing your life to other people who are blowing it. Third, third area, oh, third area, yeah. Okay, so accountability to God's word, accountability to one another, and then accountability to yourself, to your own convictions, to yourself and to your own convictions. Check out this uh, set of verses, Hebrews chapter three, verse 13 and 14. Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. When we've come to share in Christ, or we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. There's, there's something that we're supposed to encourage one another daily, but what do we encourage one another around? One of the areas that I think we're supposed to encourage one another around is actually to hold on to some of your own original convictions. To hold on to something that you, that was important to you, was your own personal conviction uh, in life. What he's saying is he's saying we encourage one another and we encourage one another around the things that you already were passionate about. Have you ever known someone who went like on a, a, a spiritual retreat or they went on a, to a conference or they, uh, or they went on a missions trip or they even just came to church and they came back and they were like, man, they were so fired up. And then they came home or they went somewhere else and they kind of lost that spark. They lost that fire. Known anyone like that? Maybe that's your story. Anyone, anyone, anyone? Okay, there is something biblical about actually anchoring our hearts to the original conviction that you had in that moment. Like that was legitimate, it was real, and it is supposed to propel your faith forward. The Apostle Paul, he had this one amazing encounter with God on the road to Damascus. That one encounter propels his faith for decades. In fact, 30 years later, when he's talking to people, you want to know what story he's talking about? The road to Damascus. He continues talking about, was that important in his life that it marked him and it marked his faith for the future? And, um, and what we have to do is we got to go, no, there, there was this thing that I had, my encounter with God, and it was supposed to mark me. Here's, here's what I want you to do. For a moment, close your eyes, okay? No falling asleep, close your eyes. I want you to think of a time in your life when God was close to you, when God met you, when you sensed his presence, when maybe he taught you something. Like it was so crystal clear that it was like he was here, he was teaching you something. Or, and, or he was just in your presence. He was overwhelming you in some way. I don't know if you've got something. I hope you've got something where you're like, this was clear. Okay, now open your eyes. Go back to that moment and live in that moment. Stay in that moment. Don't lose hold of that moment. You're supposed to hold on to that conviction of that moment for your faith today. 
And what sometimes we do is we allow this moment that was meant to mark us become a distant memory. It wasn't supposed to become a memory. It was supposed to mark you forever. Just like the Apostle Paul had a moment that marked him forever. I seriously, I want to like grab some of you because I know so many people have had these sweet, amazing moments with the Lord. It's supposed to mark you for this moment right now. That I would pray, if I could pray anything over you, it would be this. God, bring a, a conviction around that original moment of faith or that moment that they had with you, that they would feel it right now, that they would go, okay, that was legitimate. That was real and was supposed to change who I am right now in this moment. And here's the deal. This is the beauty of it. There's, there's something sweet about reminding people of their own conviction versus my conviction. Have you ever tried to impose your conviction on someone else? Like, I have a conviction that I, I want my house to be clean, okay? Uh, specifically, my children's rooms. Like, that's a, that's a conviction. So, like, I got a teenage son, and forever his room was always dirty. And I would say to him, hey, you got to clean your room. You got to clean your room. You got to clean your room. That was my conviction trying to be thrust upon him. One, uh, this is a handful of months ago. He came to me. He's like, Dad, I want to get a leopard gecko. I go, are you kidding me? You got no room in your room. The thing's a mess. I, we're like, where are you going to even keep a leopard gecko? About six hours later, he comes to me. He goes, Dad, come to my room. I go down to his room, and his room is spotless. Like, there is room for, like, multiple leopard geckos at this point. And he's like, look at it. What happened? What changed? It was no longer my conviction. It was his conviction upon his own life. And now all I have to do is remind him. And actually, he's keeping his room clean to this day. Why? Because he wants to have that, that leopard gecko. And he has one. And he maintains the cleanliness because it transferred from my conviction to his conviction. I just remind him about it. Right? So there's something about just allowing someone else to have their own conviction and then just, uh, and then just reminding them about it. Have you ever done this where you're like, I'm afraid to say something I want to do because once it comes out of my mouth, I'm going to be held accountable to it? Like, like it could be something like, uh, I think I want to paint that upstairs bathroom. You know, and then two weeks later, my wife nudges me. Hey, how's that painting project going? I'm like, oh, I knew I shouldn't have said that out loud, right? Because as soon as it comes out of your mouth, you're like, oh, can I take that back? Because I said it. Now I'm accountable. It was my own conviction. It was my own desire. And so here's the thing is in your impact communities, it's so important that you go, this is my personal conviction for my life around how the word of God, I want this thing to be applied in my life this week. And then what your impact community does is they just hold you accountable to your own conviction. They're like, remember how you said you wanted to wake up early and read your Bible every day? We're just reminding you about it. Your conviction, we're just reminding you about it and we're holding you accountable to it. We want to hold each other accountable to God's word, one another, and your own personal convictions. Can you imagine what would happen if you had someone in your life who on a weekly basis was kind of encouraging you and keeping you accountable, accountable around these things, how different it would be. Perhaps some of you who haven't had anyone kind of calling you out and calling you out maybe to your own convictions for your life, what could happen in your faith this year? Right now our staff, we're in the middle, about half of us are doing a competition right now. 
weight loss competition. So we've teamed up. We got two teams, and whichever team loses more body fat over the next eight weeks. So all of our staff is hangry right now. They're really the hungry, angry. So just be beware if, if anyone's like, ah, ah, ah. it's just because we're all starving ourselves. Stuart's going on like twelve hundred calories a day. That guy's crazy. Uh, but but we're all like trying to you know have this competition. But here's what happens. You want to know what happens tomorrow? Weigh in every Monday. Weigh in, and when the weigh in comes, it's one of those deals where all of a sudden we're we're like, okay, I've got this. It's for my whole team's sake. I need to do this for everyone's sake. And uh, and if I could just uh, encourage you in any way, your impact community and your huddle, they are designed to every Monday be weigh in. It's this level of like, hey, I'm just keeping you accountable because as a team, we're actually going to win together. As a team, we might lose together, and this is why we keep each other accountable. How could your life be different, be different after this year? If you had a team of people who was around you keeping you accountable, it'd be huge. So I want to encourage you, get into an impact community and then take those conversations to the place where you're not afraid to be accountable to God's word, to one another, and to your own convictions. Hey, let's stand, let's pray, and then we are gone. Jesus, I thank you for every person here. Thank you for what you're doing in hearts and in lives of every person in this room and every person online. I know there are, there are personal convictions that you've, these, these moments that we've had with you throughout our lives that somehow they became a distant memory and they were supposed to mark us. As, as a brother of Christ, I implore you to go back to that moment and say, God, that moment was supposed to mark me and move me forward in a way that I, I've allowed myself to drift. God, put us in relationships with people who would not be afraid to hold us accountable to God's word and that we'd keep each other accountable and keep each other accountable to our own convictions as well. Help us in this endeavor. May we be a kind of a different people of God because we found relationships like that this year. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to this mission by visiting lakeland.church forward slash give.